country has shifted to become, and it's, this happened a long time ago, but we're very much a pagan culture. And in that, we're not just kind of a live and let live, um, we are anti-Christian in many respects. There's been a lot of talk in some of the circles that I uh, listen to of the concern about a civil war erupting in the United States. We have countries that absolutely despise the United States, uh, uh, China and Russia and um, Iran and other countries. I mean, those are real concerns that I have, but here's the what I keep coming back to over and over again. But God, but Jesus, I mean, it is, he has not lost control and God does not call us to, to grab our shovels and dig our foxholes and just hunker down um, and, and hope that somehow this all passes. What he calls us to do is be kingdom workers in his field. He calls us to be out in the midst of the fray. As you listen to this, as you watch this, I don't know if you are experiencing some of the things, same things that I am, but I know that I'm in constant need of coming back to the cross and back to reminders that God is in control. And, 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 but the truth is I can say that and I can hear others say that. And I've heard it so many times that the, the truth of that statement can kind of be like, water off a duck's back, um, that it doesn't really land. It, it's, it's such a, uh, it's such a Christian ease kind of statement. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just been so, um, uh, so often used that it doesn't really land in my soul. And yet that's exactly where I need to come back to in, in, and really resting in the fact that God is in control and that he has, um, he, he has a plan. His plans are not thwarted. His plans by no means are diminished by what's going on in our culture. But what I'm, what I'm getting at are things like this. I feel, um, the, the complete, um, in many circles, at least, the, the rejection of God in general, the God of the Bible that we know. Uh, it feels like um, there's so much uh, uh, sexual um, uh, upheaval in, in the culture and so much around, not just around sexuality or how I'm going to, to live sexually, whether I'm sleeping with, whether I'm committed to um, sexual union be just with my spouse in the covenant relationship of marriage as God designed it, or all kinds of um, alternative ways of living out sex, whether it's masturbation, chronic masturbation, uh, whether it's using pornography, uh, whether it's sleeping around with other people, whether it's multiple people that you're sleeping with, um, all of those things, uh, whether it's a, a whole different view of marriage. I mean, in 2015, of course, uh, we have the situation where uh, SCOTUS redefined marriage, the Supreme Court of the United States redefined marriage uh, to include um, two men or two women. And by doing that, they obliterated the the boundaries that have always been around um, marriage the way that God designed it. God's the author of marriage, and it's not a state thing. God is the author of that. And as the author, God gets to decide what marriage should look like and does look like. And so, oh, by the way, everything outside of God's design for marriage between one man and one woman in the context of that covenant relationship 
is nullified in his eyes. There is no marriage outside of that. Now, the state is saying something entirely different, and many other countries in the world are saying something entirely different. But that winds up eroding the foundations, basically, of um, of our understanding of the value and the good of marriage. We're being told that there's a new kind of family, you know, and, and yet the, the family that provides the greatest stability for children, the family that provides the greatest building blocks that are stable and secure for culture is God's design for family. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. And so part of what I'm feeling as I look around at culture, as I'm um, reading on social media, as I'm listening to major media, uh, as I'm just kind of living life, uh, I'm seeing this uh, really the Christian worldview kind of turned on its head and uh, and all kinds of other alternative lifestyles, polyamory, um, uh, which is, you know, multiple people in uh, a marital sexual relationship with one another, that that's being glorified and um and, and lift it up and that's i think that's going to be one of the next um big centerpieces of culture uh coming down the pike we see transgenderism and of course transgenderism is really this uh big big tent big umbrella uh term for all kinds of alternative um identity whether it's gender non-binary or it's a man who believes that he should be a woman or a woman believes that she should be a man uh there's all kinds of variations of that there's there's furries there's this uh, this view that um, I'm not even it's not even just a matter of of being transgendered, but it's trans species where I'm I'm actually not just the the wrong sex, but I'm in the wrong body. I I, uh, I should be an animal. I mean, those are if you're listening to this and you think this sounds ridiculous. I mean, on the on the one hand, the way that God designed it, it's way outside of the boundaries of what God designed, but it's absolutely. There's lots of conversations going on in culture, and there are lots of uh, young people, even older folks, that have embraced this alternative identity of, um, again, not just transgender, but trans species even. So as I look around and I see this erosion um, of the of the basic tenets, the basic core uh, of what it even means to be human, to be human from a biblical worldview perspective is... Um, is to understand that I am made in the image of God, male or female. The gender is binary and that there's a goodness about our binary gender, that it was established by God for purpose and value. And I, as a man, am made uniquely for a woman and a woman is made uniquely for a man. And yes, there's ways that we can relate as brothers to one another, as men toward one another, that is rich and meaningful and meant to go way beyond the depth of what it typically does um, in um, even brotherly uh, Christian male relationships. There's so much more fertile ground there to, to mine. Um, we're very disconnected from each other. We talk on the surface all the time, even in our so-called men's groups and in our, even in our women's groups. Oftentimes we're very surfacey. There's so much more richness there, but it certainly is not meant in a, from God's perspective, to cross boundary lines of either unhealthy um, emotional attachment in a way that I would attach with my opposite gender spouse. And it certainly is not meant to cross boundary lines sexually. And so in a culture where we're swimming in the waters, and this is a shift for us, 
right? I mean, there was a time when the church was really dominant. Um, Christians were kind of the dominant religion in in our country, at least. Our country has shifted to become, and it's, this happened a long time ago, but we're very much a pagan culture. And in that, we're not just kind of a live and let live. Um, we are anti-Christian in many respects. And when you look at that, when you look at the you know, every other um, issue that's going on. We had COVID-19. Uh, we've had the the vaccines, which actually uh, caused all kinds of division. There's been a lot of talk in some of the circles that I uh, listen to of the concern about a civil war erupting in the United States. We have countries that absolutely despise the United States, uh, uh, China and Russia and um, Iran and other countries. Uh, that would strongly speak against uh, the United States. And we're obviously in this situation with Ukraine and Russia, where there's literally, con with a, a nuclear power, where there's literally concern and, and talk going on about um, a possible uh, World War III uh, happening and the alignments that could happen with China and Russia and others. I mean, there's all of this stuff. There's issues around election integrity uh, going on. There's there's a lot of people that believe that uh, elections are not anywhere near as honest as they should be within our country. And so there's just this broiling turmoil <clears throat> that seems to be happening within our country. There's supply chain uh, demands uh, that we have, and we're seeing when we go to grocery stores that there are shelves that, while there's plenty of food, um, in many instances, there are at times shelves that are that are empty. There's uh, egg prices, and then uh, you know you go to the store and there's no eggs there at all. There's all kinds of things, the gas prices. So the economy is a huge issue for us in many respects. Um, but but there's also concern not even just about inflation that's happening, but as I said, the supply chain, even if prices are high, are there even going to be um, products, both in terms of material things that I buy to bring into my home or whatever, uh, cars, those kinds of things? Um, are there going to be chips, uh, computer chips that need to go into uh, these vehicles or into my refrigerator or into a freezer that I need to replace uh, into um, what's going to happen with with my air conditioning or my heating system uh, if the supply chain can't really maintain uh, the need that's there. What if there's long, long delays? What if, what about food issues? What about supply chain issues around food or even the source of food? Is it going to get to a place where um, we actually have uh, food shortages in our country as well as in other parts of the world? And then you know, for ones who have um, concern for other countries that are in poverty, we have a couple of people that we're very close to and support directly uh, who are nationals in other countries who are church leaders and church planters. And, you know, in our affluence, the United States has been one of the most generous countries, probably the most generous country in, um, in supplying the needs that go on in a lot of other countries. Well, if we start to falter, what's going to happen to some of these other countries? One of my friends in another country that we do support said, uh, Gary, we're really watching what's happening in the United States because as goes the United States, so goes the rest of the world. And so I bring all of this up um, and there, there may be, as I'm speaking about these things, there probably are, you know, half a dozen other things that, that as I'm talking, you might be thinking about that I'm not even mentioning that are, 
you know, major local concerns that are major um, state concerns that are major um, national concerns, abortion, of course, being one of those concerns. Another concern that I have really grieves me is the increase of doctor assisted suicides. And, uh, you know, the, the way that we will walk along, you know, come alongside of people who are wrestling or struggling. And it's not even only, I don't think this should even happen anyway, but it's not just those who are terminally ill, um, who desire uh, this, this road or this process, but now we're moving into places where there's countries and states in our country that are considering and talking about expanding that to those who just have a mental health, um, health issue, or there's chronic pain that's going on. They're not even diagnosed by a doctor as terminally ill. I mean, it's, it is the absolute devaluing of life from, from the womb, from the moment of conception until the moment of natural death, the devaluing of life in that whole phase and process seems to be more and more diminished. I mean, those are real concerns that I have, but here's the what I keep coming back to over and over again, but God, but Jesus. I mean, it is, he has not lost control. Uh, so my boys just read through this, I think 12 book series, the Left Behind series. Uh, frankly, when I was younger, I think I got lost around book seven, but they've read through the entire thing. And my youngest was saying, and, and they are avid readers. My youngest was saying, this is the most incredible and um, an intense book series he's ever read before. And because it's so real to the life that we're living right now, it's so real to the things that we're watching um, around us. By God's mercy, maybe we're maybe we're in a phase of time where where we will get a handle on some things again and be and and actually not to get a handle on some things, but get a handle on repentance and actually come to a place of of coming before God and rejecting the ways of the world and acknowledging. I mean, look at it, the Old Testament, how many times Israel um, went through this process of recognizing um, usually after being enslaved or um, uh, mistreated by another nation coming back to repent before God. Well, maybe that's where we're at. I have an inkling, though, that what we're seeing is the is the lineup of what's going to be happening before Jesus returns. I mean, there's so much that points to that. I am just thankful that the truth of God's word does not change in any way, shape or form, regardless of the circumstances that we're going through, that Jesus is a rock on which we as Christians can stand. And God does not call us to to grab our shovels and dig our foxholes and just hunker down um, and, and hope that somehow this all passes. What he calls us to do is be kingdom workers in his field. He calls us to be out in the midst of the fray and to be embodying his life in such a way that we are loving lavishly. But I don't think loving lavishly um, means that there's no pushback on the on the culture that there's no pushback i'm not talking about individuals um, we are to love individuals but i often say that we as christians need to learn how to separate individuals from ideology we as christians need to be able to stand against the onslaught of an ideology and of course that is driven by people i understand but kind of by a, a, a mass movement but we need to be able to speak against and speak about and then obviously more importantly speak for what is true and good and lovely, like Paul tells us in Philippians, uh, what's a good report. We need to think on those things, I believe speak on those things, but we need to as Christians stand in strength together against the, um, 
the grooming of children against the uh, the indoctrination of children in our schools and in other places. Yeah. We need to not just allow indoctrination to happen unchecked. We need to combat the indoctrination of the world uh, and, and the indoctrination of our enemy, Satan. Uh, we need to combat that with the truth of God's word. We need to combat that with lives that um, actually take action, where there's love that is being demonstrated uh, to those who are hurting and suffering. And there's also love being demonstrated, deep love and affection that is being demonstrated by, by brother to brother, sister to sister, um, as a body of Christ, so that when things, as things fall apart even more than they are, and they will, if we're heading down this track even further, that as they're falling apart, people recognize that the church is a lifeboat. The church, that Christians are actually a place that uh, our homes, our lives, our hearts are available to them. We're not afraid to touch. We're not afraid to uh, to comfort. We're not afraid to to just abide with somebody. Not with sometimes not saying some of the dumb things that Christians often say in in difficult cir circumstances or situations, but that we are willing willing and desirous to walk with people in their hurt and their struggle. That we're willing and desirous that when, at the end of the day, when they recognize they were sold a bill of goods by the world and by the enemy and our world system, and in many cases, some of our leaders, sadly, even in some cases, those that purport to be Christian leaders, when they realize that, they recognize that within Christianity, there's something to come back to, or there's something to come to. Uh, there are people who are willing to take, um, to take them in and care for them where they're at. And so, Again, this whole what I'm what, what's kind of brewing in me. There's there's more than I'm even able to say, um, but there definitely is this deep um, emotional kind of angst in me, or uh, that I need to keep coming back to God, keep coming back to the cross. Um, but even when I find comfort for myself in Christ and for my family and for others that know Him, I'm concerned deeply for um, for for all of the confusion and the craftiness of the enemy to lead people down the primrose path, down the wide path that leads to destruction. And so it's time for us as Christians, I believe, to stop fooling around with the world, to stop pretending to be um, you know, clean and and right on the outside where people see us, and yet we're also messing around with pornography addiction or other sexual sins or other things besides that. We're just messing around with that. We're 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 making um, room for that. We're accommodating that in our own lives, and it's really weakening both our our witness, but it's also weakening our um, attention. To what's actually going on in the world and how we can actually be ones who are helping to to draw people into the lifeboat of the church that to draw people in you know uh, the, uh even the ark is a type of christ even the ark is a type of the church where um in the in the chaos the motif of water in the chaos of water that destroyed the earth um we're looking around at at a, at a, a type of that happening today where culture is in chaos culture is writhing like you know the storms of the sea of uh, the sea and uh and people are in desperate need to find a secure place and that is what the church is supposed to be and so we really need to prepare our our hearts we need to be willing to open up to others if we're wrestling with crap we're wrestling with sin areas we're struggling maybe with addictive patterns or sin patterns we need to be willing for the sake of 
the call of God on our lives to open up to others and invite them into those broken places to help us on our journey. And we get to be a help to them on their journey. And together, we get to really become the secure place on which we can invite others that don't yet know Jesus or others who have been lost. They're the lost sheep. We can invite them in with us in a, in uh, in our lives that are not perfect, but they're real and they're moving more and more ever and ever toward this sanctification process with Jesus um, uh, and toward his kingdom ultimately. You know, it's in these kinds of times that um, as a man, as a woman, as um, a husband, a wife, a mom or a dad, or uh, again, just single individuals uh, serving God, wanting to follow him, leaning on the promises of God are so essential. I love the scripture that talks about the fact that um, that God keeps us in perfect peace, those whose minds are stayed on him, um, those who set their minds on him. I think, it, again, I might have mentioned it earlier, but in Philippians, when Paul talks about this idea that um, whatever is good and lovely and um, of, of virtue, uh, let your mind think on these things. There's, there's, uh, when we do that, we're actually practicing the promises of God in Matthew 6, um, 33, I believe it is where, um, where Jesus is talking about seeking first the kingdom of God. He's first before that talking about all these things that we're concerned about, um, food and shelter and whatever else it may be. I mean, uh, you can extrapolate that over into our own lives uh, in, in our modern day life. What does it look like uh, for us to be concerned about those things? But Jesus says, um, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these other things are going to be added to you. There's so many scriptures that affirm us as the beloved of God that affirm us as ones that um, even when Jesus talked about uh, the even a sparrow falls from the sky and when that happens, God is aware of it. I mean, think about that. Even a, a bird um, falling out of the sky or a bird dying or, or an insect um, dying, God is aware of that and it matters to him. And Jesus says, how much more so are you of value than a sparrow? Um, are you of value than, than whatever else just passed and God is aware of? So the point that Jesus is making is um, your father is aware of all that you need. And so these are really important things to come back to. But I do want to also say that sometimes as individuals, we come back to the scriptures and we, we read the promises of God. And it's so good. We need to do that. We need to do that a lot more. But sometimes what we wind up doing then is we lean on the promises of God for us and, and, and we, there, but there's very little fellowship that happens. There's very little, um, that, that goes on in terms of real fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And by the way, fellowship is not going to church on Sunday. Fellowship is something that happens outside of church on Sunday. And by the way, we need to be in church on Sunday. We need to be hearing the gift of the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. No doubt about that. But don't deceive yourself into thinking that you've had any kind of meaningful fellowship because you showed up at church on Sunday. So again, lean into the promises that God, that God has for us. They are all throughout the word. Lean into those promises um, and, and assimilate those for yourself. God cares about you. Um, but also make sure 
that you are that you are with others and that there is real vulnerability, real transparency happening in those relationships between brothers or sister to sister, uh, where you can really receive nourishment and be um, be reminded of what's true from the word of God. And you can remind others of what's true from the word of God and the love that he has for you as individuals, but also the love that he has for us collectively. But God hasn't left us without a plan and a purpose. It's found in the church. Um, it's found in relationship with one another. And we can begin wherever we're at to see life change happen and to open up and invite others in. I think that's a key thing, that opening up and inviting others in uh, to our lives and finding some safe people that we can trust and taking the risk of trusting. I mean, be wise about who you're trusting, but take the risk of trusting uh, and, and also become the person that you want to have in your life. Become a trustworthy person. Become a person who doesn't gossip about other people's um, issues or struggles. Uh, become a person who um, who can who can both speak wisdom and love and compassion and truth, but also a person who can simply be present for the pain of somebody else, offering up prayer, just abiding with them. Become the kind of person that you want to be in your life, and see what God will do in. Um, and, and, and bringing real meaning to your life. Two things that I think are key to breaking through addiction, breaking out of patterns of sin, and also in helping us from even getting into those messes in the first place. Two key things are the, the reality that God created us for belonging, it, it, which connects to the need for love, the need for fellowship, genuine fellowship, full being fully known and fully loved kind of fellowship. We long for that, we were made for that, anything less than that, and we're hungry. And that's where a lot of addiction comes in, in our hungers. And then secondly, we were made for incredible purposes. When we don't have a sense that our life has meaning, when we don't have a sense that our life has much purpose, what's, what is the, the meaning of, of living? What is the value of living then? But the truth is for every one of you listening to me, seeing me, uh, it, hearing this, you have by God, both a place of belonging, and that is in his body, in the church. Some churches don't represent that well. Others, I think, have a great desire to do that, but don't quite know how to do that, which is where our ministry comes in, uh, in helping them in that process. But we are also created for that deep um, purpose of kingdom value. Your life is about kingdom purpose and kingdom value. And when we get a handle on the incredible way that God has designed us for purpose and the incredible way that we both need community, but we also have the ability to create a safe place for community to happen for others, which then gives us community too. When those two things start firing on all cylinders, our lives take on such value and such meaning and such purpose that the tendency of, of going, of just remaining in the addiction, the power of addiction um, fades. It doesn't go away altogether, but the ability to say no to it, the ability to follow Jesus is so much more real, so much more powerful when we are actually engaged in those two areas that God created us for. So I hope this had meaning for you. Um, and I'd love to even engage with you. If you have an interest, you can reach out to our ministry. Um, if there's something that was said here that resonates with you, we'd love to dialogue with you about that. Whether that's someone who's struggling some more, or maybe you're a Christian leader, 
who wants to know better, how do I help create these environments in our churches? That's exactly what we're here for. We'd love to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us for this Love and Truth Network podcast. To listen to or watch future episodes, please check us out at loveandtruthnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you in a future episode.